ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So this episode is one that is going to be near and dear to my heart and I hope to yours because this is the new mom episode. I realize that it's been four months since my sweet baby boy Shay was born, if you're listening to this in real time, and I haven't yet shared all that I've been experiencing as a new mama, all of the amazing highs of his delicious little giggle. He's giggling now and his yummy soft skin when I give him a little massage and all the lows, the meltdowns that I've had, the depression that I have felt, the anxiety, the constant worry that I'm not doing it right. And so today's episode is completely from my heart to yours about all that I'm experiencing as a new mama. And I know those of you who are mothers, I'm sure you can relate to so much of this. And I'm sure you have so much to share. I want to hear from you please make sure you're joining the Purpose Girls Facebook group and let's have a whole yummy, juicy discussion of support, supporting each other as mothers. For some of you listening to this, you may have found me because of my fertility struggles and you're not yet a mom. You don't know if you'll be a mom to a human. And my heart is with you and we are together in this and I'm with you in your journey. And some of you may never have wanted to be a mom or don't in the future. And either way, I hope that this gives you an insight into my heart, into my head, into my soul, my spirit, into what I've been up to, and into the experience of so many women. So it's going to be a good one, loves. Here we go. But first, of course, I want to read my review of the week. This five-star review is coming from someone named V, V Melt. It is called So Thoughtful and Uplifting. I listened to your Purpose podcast on my morning walk and it completely changed my energy, mood, and perspective. Oh, it was so uplifting and really turned my whole day around. You are so inspiring. Aw, thank you, V. I so appreciate you and I appreciate you taking the time to leave me this review. Everyone out there, if you want me to read your review, and I know you do because it's super fun. I've had many of you send me a note saying, oh my God, you read my review this week. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave your five-star review. It's truly how women all over the world are finding us. I mean, have I told you guys that we have had 220,000 downloads in just two years with the Purpose Girl podcast or that we've been top ranked in countries like Mexico, in Slovakia, all over the world because of people like you leaving your review and letting women everywhere know that the Purpose Girl podcast will support them, will help them, will uplift them, will change their lives. So thank you, V, and thank you, all of you. All right, let's talk mamahood. So I've talked a lot on the Purpose Girl podcast as well as on my newsletter, which if you're not getting it, just pause this for five seconds, go to purposegirl.com and get the newsletter because that is the first place that I drop discounts, freebies, as well as every single week giving you tips and tricks to live your purpose, be a goddess, be your happiest self, be the happiest woman you know, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure you're getting that. Anyway, I've talked a ton on Facebook everywhere about my desire to be a mom. And so here I am with this beautiful baby boy. And I have to tell you, I never knew that I could love another human like this. I never knew I could love anything like this. I love Josh. I love my family. I've loved partners before. But the love that I feel for my baby boy is something I can't even describe. Like it's challenging to do a podcast and have this microphone in front of me and not be able to describe how much my whole body emanates love and light and just, ah, uh, for this little human. And I look at him. I, I have to tell you guys, I look at him like 24 hours a day. We take a walk. I cannot stop staring at him. 
He's laying in my arms. I just stare at him. He's playing on his activity mat. He might be staring off into light and want nothing to do with me. And I am just staring at him. People told me that having a baby was like having your heart walk outside of your body. And I got it, but I didn't really get it. And now I really do get it. This little being is my heart. This little being is my soul. And I no longer can protect that little being and little soul 24 hours a day like I could when he was inside of my belly. And so the love that I have for him is incredible. And it's been so hard. So being with him is fun. It is juicy. It's delicious. And it's been really hard. And I want to be honest about it all. In fact, I wish more moms would be honest. One of my closest friends, I'm not going to give you her name because I don't know if her kids will ever listen to this, but she's always been so honest about being a mom. Like she would say to me, ugh, I don't want anything to do with them today. And I found it so refreshing, right? Because we see so much on social media and everywhere. No one talks about that. No one talks about how hard it is. I mean, now people talk about it more because there's memes and there's podcasts and comedians talk about it and it's funny. But for the most part, I find so many moms are still out there going, oh, she cried all night, but it's okay because she's supposed to because this is what it is. Or, oh, my toddler's driving me crazy, but it's okay because I'm so grateful. Like as if we have to add the second piece. Of course, we're grateful. Of course, we love our child. Of course, it's all normal. And it's really hard. And it's really hard. And I only have a four-month-old, so I can only imagine when I have an eight-year-old and maybe that eight-year-old is struggling in school or an eight-year-old during COVID. Holy cow, those of you who are mamas and daddies, any of you who are listening, who are parenting during COVID when your kids can't play easily, can't go to school easily, you've had a homeschool. I mean, all of it so hard. My friends who have teenagers and they're dealing with heartbreak. One of my college roommates, when she texted all of us and shared that her teenager was experiencing heartbreak for the first time and it was just breaking her heart. Like, oh my God, I wanted to cry. Or the other day we were in the hospital, we were taking Shay for a doctor appointment and we saw a beautiful mom and her son who had cancer. And of course I just cried. (laughs) It is hard to have your love, your heart walking outside of your body and you can't protect them 100%. And little moments are hard, right? It's like, on the one hand, I wanted to be able to say to you guys, I am loving every minute. And in some ways I am, like I am doing all I can to savor every minute because at 46, this is probably the only baby I'm going to have. (laughs) Although miracles could happen. God, I'd like to put in a little order for a miracle and y'all know I believe in that. But let's just say this is the only baby I have. I want to savor every moment. It took us five years to have him. And when he screams, oh my goddess, like I right now just talking about it, my ears hurt. And I want to tell you those first couple of months, they were really hard. I felt so alone. Now here's the crazy thing. I had Josh. He took a month off of work. I wasn't alone, but I felt so alone. I felt panicked about every single thing. I mean, there I am in the hospital. He was in the NICU. We didn't even see him the first day of his life. We barely saw him for the first six days when he was in the NICU and we were in his room and we had to come at certain hours and we would come and then we would leave and we would come and we would leave. It's like the nurses would call me mom and it's like, mom to who? I don't have a baby. If I had a baby, the baby would be right here. There's no baby. There's this being upstairs that I guess I'm his mom, but it was hard to feel that connection. And then all of a sudden on day six, they're like, he's good. Take him home. We take this being home that we've barely been with. And even if you are with your baby for a few days in the hospital, I've had many friends say to me when the nurses and doctors said, bye, they're like, wait, you're going to let me take this baby home? I don't know what to do with him or her. Are you crazy? And then I went into the panic. Am I doing sleep right? Am I doing eating right? Am I doing feeding right? What do I do when he screams? And I will tell you, I felt like he screamed a lot. He would go for hours screaming. He would go for days screaming. And it wasn't colic. I mean, we've we've been through this. Anybody who want to send me advice about colic, first of all, we're through it. And it wasn't colic because the 
dictionary definition of colic is like three hours a day, three days a week, three weeks in a row. But sometimes when he would scream, we would try everything. We would rock him. We would take him outside. We would sing to him. We would hold him. We would feed him. We would do everything. And he would just scream in my ears and I can still feel the piercing. And so it's hard, right? I mean, it's hard. And I was constantly then saying to myself, I'm doing it wrong. Feeding was the first thing I felt like I was doing wrong. Before I went into the hospital, so many people said, you're going to breastfeed, right? Oh, just promise me you'll try breastfeeding. Oh, breastfeed. Don't let them in the NICU. I had a friend say to me, don't let them give you a bottle. Like the nurses and doctors, they're going to want to because it's easier. They're going to want to give them formula until your milk comes in. Don't let them. And so there I was, day one of being a mama. If you heard my birth story, and if you haven't, go listen to episode 121. I share every detail of how Shay almost died and of how he was taken from me right away and he needed to have a blood transfusion. And so there I was day one. I hadn't even seen my baby. The doctor came up to me and put a pump on my breast, trying to get some colostrum, the really great breast milk that comes in at first. It's like liquid gold, right? And I have no idea if they're feeding him in the NICU. I have no idea where he is. I have no idea what's going on. So hours later, when we go up there and he's on a feeding tube, and what are they feeding him? They're feeding him formula. I'm like, no, 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 he can't have formula. No, no, no. And of course, I had made the colostrum. They're like, mama, that's awesome. You made the colostrum, but we're going to need to give him more. And I said, no, no formula. And in my head, I was building it up to be that they were forcing formula on me, that they were forcing a feeding on me. And I had it in my head that... If I was a good mom, my baby would not drink formula. If I was a good mom, I would be breastfeeding. Well, here's the thing. He was in the NICU, right? The neonatal intensive care unit. And so after like day two, when I was saying to them, I don't want him to have formula. And they're looking at each other and they're looking at me. Finally, like one in the morning, this amazing NICU nurse, Jen, if you are listening to this, she said to me, mama, We have to give him formula, okay? This is not the regular maternity floor downstairs. This is the NICU. And we are here to ensure your baby survives. Like, we are on your team. We're not on an opposite team. We're here to help your baby survive and thrive. And your milk's not in yet. And we want him to be nourished. And so we need to give him formula. And all of a sudden, Purpose Girls, I woke up. It was like all of a sudden, I got it. The people who had said to me, you're going to breastfeed, right? You're not going to give him formula, right? They didn't have a NICU baby. Well, in the NICU, it is about survival. And if having formula would help my baby live, then give him the formula, open up the floodgates. But isn't it crazy that it took that for me to understand? It took that because there is so much pressure on new moms to breastfeed. There's pressure from the outside. What if you don't want to do it? People have so many comments. One of my friends told me that as soon as she got pregnant, she shared it with some random person like on the street in New York City. And the person said, as long as you breastfeed, you'll be fine. And then walked on by. Well, she already knew because of her own health conditions that she wasn't going to be able to breastfeed. So there she was newly pregnant, already like defeated and deflated because of breastfeeding. I shared my breastfeeding stories on social media and I had so many of you, so many women contact me and say, I couldn't breastfeed because of X or because of Y. And I felt so much shame around it. Let me tell you, sister, if this resonates at all for you, I am so with you. I really felt like if I was a good mom, I would breastfeed. I really felt like if I was a good woman, I felt like if someone wasn't breastfeeding, maybe they weren't trying hard enough. I now am calling bullshit on all of that. Is breast milk good for a baby? Absolutely. And so is formula. It wouldn't be given to children, to babies, to newborns, if it wasn't nourishing for them and their bodies. But I got attached to this breastfeeding. And so what I did when he was in the NICU and I was in my room, hours apart from this baby, floors apart in the hospital, I started pumping like crazy. They gave me the breast pump and I started pumping and pumping and pumping until milk would come out and milk would come out. Before I knew it, I had a supply and I was supplying milk. And every couple of hours, Josh or I would run another little vial of milk up to the NICU. And we felt so proud of ourselves that we could give him breast milk. 
And then when he was completely off the feeding tube and he was able to drink breast milk, great, I'm going to go give him my breast. And he wouldn't take it. So, okay, I'm going to bring the lactation consultant up to the NICU, which by the way, they rarely go to. Why? Because most babies in the NICU, they can't breastfeed. They're just trying to stay alive. They're on feeding tubes or they're doing their best up there. He wouldn't take my breast. So I brought him home and then every hour I would try and try to put him on my breast and he wasn't taking it. I remember that second or third day, Josh and I and the baby went for a walk and it's like all of the neighbors knew somehow that we were home. Maybe it's the huge, it's a boy sign outside of our house that my dear friend Stacy put up and they all started coming out of their houses to say hello to us. And I remember a couple of women gathering from like different parts of the street and, oh my God, how is he? And checking in on us. Are you breastfeeding? And I said, no, because he's not taking my breast. Well, just stick your boob in his mouth. Literally, that's what one of them said to me. Just stick your boob in his mouth. Okay, thank you. And we kept walking. And then I broke down crying. Just stick your boob in his mouth? Like I hadn't thought of that. Like, oh, I was sticking my foot in his mouth and expecting breast milk to come out. Or, oh, I silly me. I hadn't thought of that. But just stick your boob in his mouth wasn't helpful because I had been doing it and it wasn't working. So we started going to lactation consultants. I started researching how to get your baby to take your breast. Constantly researching, researching all night, just feeling like something was wrong with me because he wouldn't take my breast. And I felt rejected. I literally looked up when my baby doesn't love me. Fast forward, I know how common that is now. But that's how I felt. I felt rejected by this little tiny thing that I had just brought into the world, frankly, whose life I had made and saved. Just stick your boob in his mouth. And I found comments like that coming from so many places. Another woman I know said to me, just just keep trying for another month. Just try for three months. Just try for three months. Well, at the time, my nipples were so sore from pumping constantly. Bright red. I had cuts on them. I actually, maybe a month in, got thrush. Like, it was horribly painful. I was walking around the house without a shirt on because my nipples felt like cut glass. It was so bad. And I continuously, many times a day, tried to practice putting my sweet baby on my breast, and he continued to reject it. We went to multiple lactation consultants, nothing. And I continued to just feel like shit. Meanwhile, I'm pumping eight times a day, every three hours around the clock. So baby was getting my breast milk, but he was getting it through a bottle. And so when people would ask, we go to the doctor and they said, do you breastfeed or bottle? Like, um, yes, right? We needed a third option. And the third option, everyone, is called exclusive pumping. Exclusive pumping. And I found this whole world of women out there who were in the same situation as me. I joined this Facebook group with like 30,000 women and I suddenly could... Sigh, relief. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one whose baby doesn't take the breast. And so I would think to myself, but this is how babies survive since the beginning of time. So something must be wrong with me or with him or with us. And Josh would remind me, no, not all babies survive since the beginning of time. Right? Like when I couldn't deliver vaginally because of the vasa previa, again, if you haven't heard my story, go back. But because of the condition I had, And someone said to me, well, women giving birth is so natural. Talk about mom freaking guilt. Talk about feeling like a loser, feeling like a failure as being a woman at being a mom. Giving birth is natural. Every woman can do it. No, not every woman can do it. And when I couldn't do it because it would have killed the baby, that's the condition I had. If I delivered naturally, it could kill the baby. There's a 95% chance of stillbirth. Josh reminded me, and babies used to die and mothers used to die. And the same I now know of breastfeeding. If there were reasons that a baby wouldn't take the breast, the baby would have died. Or they had those milk nurses. What are they called? Whatever they're called. Those women who, that's what they would do. They would nurse for the entire village. When we say it takes a village, that was a big part of that phrase. If a mama couldn't nurse, and she certainly couldn't nurse around the clock, other women in the village did nurse for her. So, so much has changed. And that's how babies survived, or they didn't. But what started to happen to me, girls, is I've started to become, honestly, a little bit obsessed with pumping. 
once I had thrush and my nipples were in so much pain and I had been pumping around the clock for a month or two, a friend of mine who had a baby right when I did said to me, there's no way if my baby didn't take my breast, there's no way I'd be doing what you are. I would go to formula for sure. She told me, and so many women would tell me, what you're doing with pumping is so much harder. And I'm not saying it's harder. It's not. I just know it's not easy. But she said to me, there's no way I'd still be doing that. And I felt like such a badass. I'm like, oh, I'm so strong. I'm so powerful. Yeah, I'm a great mom because I pump around the clock. So listen to that. I'm a great mom because I pump around the clock. As if that's what makes me a great mom, right? The fact that I was giving him breast milk, that's not what makes me a great mom. What makes me a great mom is that I giggle with him and we have special bath time and I make up songs for him and I love him unconditionally and I hold him and I massage him and I want the best for him and I want to hear his dreams and desires and his personality. That's what makes me a great mom. But I realize the pressure that I was putting on myself, the standards And then I started to understand mom guilt and mom shaming. How many of you out there have been mom shamed? Where you feel like, if I was a good mom, I wouldn't work. Or if I was a good mom, I would work. If I was a good mom, I would fill in the blank. I think this starts off probably from pregnancy, right? About what we eat or don't eat. Whether we do organic or we don't do organic. Like enough of the mom shame and the mom guilt. All I know is it was making me crazy. And I'm still pumping, but at least now I have a bigger understanding of why. So a few weeks ago, I started going to a therapist, a post-birth trauma therapist. So when Shay almost died, I had many people say to me, are you going to go see a post-trauma, postpartum therapist? I don't know what they're called. I was like, no, I don't need that. I'm great. Shay survived. I survived. I feel like we're badasses. We're amazing. And the truth is I did feel amazing. I felt like we were both amazing. And I was flying high. I felt so good. And I also was having a meltdown once a week. I remember one day Shay was having an absolute meltdown from the time he woke up until the time he went to bed. He would barely stop screaming. Unless he was sleeping or eating, he was screaming. And I was so out of my mind. And then I was holding him and I started shaking. And then I'm looking at him and I'm saying, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop screaming. Please stop crying. Please stop crying. I don't know what to do for you. I don't know what to do for you. I don't know what to do for you. And I don't remember where Josh was at the moment. But when he came, I said, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Josh took the baby. And then I went into a panic attack. And I don't know who had the bigger meltdown, Shay or me. But that actually started happening like once a week. And then I found myself obsessing. What are we supposed to do about sleep? Is he napping at the right time? He's in this special bassinet. Should he be in that bassinet or should he be in this bassinet? What do we do about nap time? Is he doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Oh, I'm supposed to sing him to sleep. I'm not supposed to sing him to sleep. We're supposed to take a bath at night. We're not supposed to take a bath at night. Oh, what do I do about vitamins? What do I do about like everything? It was so overwhelming. And then the more overwhelmed I got, the more mad at Josh I got. Can any of you relate? Like I started getting so mad at my loving, amazing partner. I mean, the first month or two of Shay's life, we were having so much fun. Oh my God. Like we started a routine of a morning walk together, a nighttime routine of reading to him. We were just having a ball. We would look at him all the time. We would talk about what a cute baby we had made. I mean, we were just so in love. Everything was so good. And then I started having these meltdowns. I started yelling at him all the time. I was yelling at him for not being as panicked, as crazy as I was. And he's like, you want me to also be crazy? (laughs) Now, of course, that makes no sense, right? Isn't it better that he's like totally steady Eddie while I am having the panic? But sometimes I just wanted him to be in it with me, in it, in that emotion with me. Of course, the truth is, Thank goodness that he was able to be steady Eddie. Josh is a second time dad. He has a 19 year old. He's been through this and he's a lot more of a rock, right? Like in our relationship, I'm the fun, I'm the color, I'm the energy. I have all the highs. I have all the cool, fun ideas. I make birthdays amazing. But I also then have all the emotion of grief. I have all the pain of anger. I have the depth of that emotion. And so I bring all of that color to his life and he's the rock. 
And there's so much about that that works. And then having a new baby (laughs) became, it works and it's frustrating, right? It was both. Because that first meltdown, I remember I needed him to take the baby and I was furious with him for taking the baby. Because I thought what it meant was that I was being a bad mother. Good moms wouldn't need someone to take the baby. Good moms wouldn't be crying so much. Good moms wouldn't be saying, please stop, please stop. Right? It's like, good moms. Where did I even pick this up? Not from my mother. From society, I guess. From everything that's out there about TV shows and stereotypes of moms. But that's why it can be so lonely. When the truth is about my husband, thank God he's a rock. Thank God he's a second time dad. He's so much more chill. I don't know what he was like the first time as a dad, but he's so chill now. He's so at ease. Shay could be screaming and screaming and Josh's heart is broken. He wants to help him, but he's at ease. Maybe it's him being a teacher. Either way, it's helpful. I had to get over saying that I was a bad mom because I wanted him to take him. That's what we do now is if he's screaming in a way that just hurts my ears and that I start to feel like I'm losing it, he takes him. And aren't I blessed for having a partner? I know not everyone has a partner like this or a partner at all. And so it's me shifting, saying I'm a good mom if I let someone else take him for a little bit. That actually makes me a good mom that I can step away and I can breathe. Makes me a good mom if I take a few minutes to myself. Speaking of which, I had an amazing, this is totally kind of sidetracked, but it came up, so why not? Yesterday, I had such an amazing day. My friend Stacy has been wanting to come over, but COVID, right? So we haven't let people hold our baby. And she is the kind of friend, we're so close, and she's the kind of friend that she would have been here every day when he was first born, if not for COVID. She would have been taking him so that I could nap. She would have been taking him so that I could exercise. She would have been taking him because she wanted to, because she wants to love all over him, but COVID. And finally, a few months in, I had started working a few weeks ago, right? So we're a few months into him being born. I'd started working a few weeks ago and I was getting ready to launch the Goddess on Purpose course that just started. And I had so much to do and we didn't have a nanny yet. And I just broke down and I said, okay, please come over. Okay, come help. And she came over and she was wearing a mask and she washed her hands 17 times and she helped. And I was in tears. It felt so good to be helped. And I think that's something that us mamas don't do enough of, right? Like we don't allow help. During COVID, it was so lonely. So many people would ask me, what's it like to be a new mom during COVID? It must be so hard. And I used to say, no, it's not hard. Like it's the same as any other time. No, no one could visit me in the hospital, but whatever. No, it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's hard that there is no village. Because in the past, you would have had family coming by, friends coming by. People would have taken your baby. My dear friend Allison said, God, by this point, I thought that I would have taken him for like three different days. I would have taken him to my house all day on a Saturday, taken him to my house all day on a Sunday, giving you all this break. But that hasn't happened with COVID. And so that first time that I let Stacy come, I had happy tears, right? Like a cry of happy tears. Now, of course, I also felt a little guilty. Like, what's wrong with me that I can't do it all? Do you hear that? That's not me, Karen Rockine Purpose Girl. That is the pressure that's put on us. Nothing is wrong with me. And so she's been saying, I will come over. I will help anytime you need it. Are you kidding? This is so fun for me. And I know she's super safe with COVID. She's a single mom. She has teenagers. She wants to be around a baby. It's delightful for her. But I had felt like, no, it's okay. I'm going to get a nanny, right? For when I work. She's like, no, I want to come help you at a time when you can just take a nap. I want you to be able to take a walk. I want you to be able to take a bath. She would like just wants to be there for me during personal time. And I thought, oh my God, I can't do that. Right? Like that's so luxurious. <laughs> and then it was like, duh, what do you teach women? Yes, you can do that, Karen. Yes, you can. She wants to, she's offering and you can do it. And so she came over yesterday and she was here for like three glorious hours. And you know what mama did? First, I went for a run. It felt so good. I haven't run in weeks Yeah, I was slower than slow, slower than a turtle. I don't care. I was out. I took my dog. We played. We ran. It was 
awesome. One mile took me like 45 minutes. <laughs> I don't care. It was so good. And then I came back and I took a bath and not just any bath, sisters. First, I put lavender oil in the bath. Then I put one of those bath bomb things in there. And then I filled it up with bubble bath. And then I lit two candles. I made myself some ginger tea. I put on one of those face mask situation things, you know, that you buy at like the CVS for like a buck 29. I got into the bath. (sighs) And I exhaled. And I could hear her and I could hear the baby. And it was totally okay. He cried and it was okay. He laughed and it was okay. I had time for me. And then you know what I did? This is real crazy. I got out of the bath. I put on my cozy, comfy, super yummy, plushy robe. I went into my bedroom. I peeled back the covers of my bed and I got in and I napped. I napped. Oh my goddess. I haven't taken a bath since the baby was born. I haven't taken a nap. Well, yes, since the baby was born, but not in a long time. It felt so good. And the beauty is Josh was able to do the same thing. He exercised and then he showered and he took a nap. It was so good. And then I woke up and she was still there and still happy. So I started cleaning out my closet, changing from winter to summer. Now, I share all of that because one of the things I'm learning as a new mom is I have to, one, ask for help. And when it's offered, receive it, right? Like when the baby was first born, all my neighbors were offering to bring over meals to help. And meals, my synagogue had brought us a meal every single day for a month. Thank you, Betham Israel. You're amazing. And I now have learned when someone offers, say yes. When someone offers, say yes, they want to help. But when I go back, I had been having a really rough time. But I digress. To go back, I had been having a really rough time, right? Like, forcing myself to pump around the clock, feeling like crap around breastfeeding and him not taking my breast, feeling like I wasn't doing a good enough job with sleeping or crying or feeding or napping, like all the things, researching all the time, blah, 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 blah. So my sister who had just had a baby five months before me, so amazing, so beautiful, so incredible. Oh, love this child and love my sister. She said, you need to join a mom's group. Right. So she told me all the Facebooks to join. She's like, you need to find a new mom Facebook group near you. You need to find this kind of new mom group, that kind of new mom group. It was like awesome. And she had been in this online new mom group in Chicago. And I tried to find one in Philadelphia where I live and I couldn't. So I joined the Chicago one. And week one, these women and I started texting. We started texting around the clock. We're up at 2 a.m. together. We're up at 3 a.m. together. So we may as well text each other. Any question we have or anything we're proud of, I introduced them to what I call the mom brag, right? Like we were asking each other questions and sharing when we felt like shit. And so after one of our calls, I said, let's do the brag, right? Like you guys know I'm always about us bragging and celebrating about how awesome we are and how often do moms do that? So now as a group, maybe once a day, someone will have a mom brag. It might be a mom brag about making dinner, getting the baby to bed at a certain time or a brag about the baby rolling over, whatever it might be. But a mom brag, something we do, instead of just focusing on what we've done wrong, focusing on what we do right. And of course, going to each other and saying, ah, like last night, Shay was up a million times. And so I texted them all. Oh my God, I think he's in the four-month sleep regression. What do I do, right? Having that sisterhood, I'm always talking to you guys about sisterhood, was so helpful. It is so helpful. Our class actually just ended and we're still texting so much and it's so helpful This is why it takes a village. Women need each other. Even just to say, hey, I want to take my baby into solid foods. What did you guys do for that? Or, hey, it's getting to be cold. Does anyone have a sleep sack that they love? Like whatever it is, it's so helpful. Now, the leader of that group sent me a message and she said, in the 20 years I've been doing this, yours is one of the most, if not most traumatic birth story I have ever heard. Are you getting help? Now, I'd had a lot of people suggest to me that I get help. And I'm like, no, because I, I'm so proud of our birth. And she said, you might want to think about it. If it hasn't hit you yet, it will. I started adding up, sisters. Wait a minute, I'm having these meltdowns once a week. I'm feeling like a shitty mom in all these different ways. I'm yelling at Josh for no reason. It's totally impacting my life, my relationship. You know what? 
maybe there is something to talking to someone. Duh, this is what I do for a living. I coach other women. They talk to me and I always have a coach or a therapist. Before maternity leave, I had a coach and a therapist. So of course I need to talk to someone. And so I'm telling you, goddess, I am so proud of myself. I sought out where are the post-birth trauma therapists. And I went to one and I was like, "Mm, no, not quite. Called her supervisor. Is there anyone else in the office? Talked to someone else. Was part of a group locally. No, that's not quite right. Like I really put in the time. And then I found this other woman. She is full price, no insurance. That's all right. Because as a coach, I don't take insurance either. I'm not allowed. And so it's okay. I can spend the money on someone who really is well qualified and who knows what she's talking about. And I am so glad I found her. Oh my goddess. The first session. I bawled. I just let out every emotion. It's as if every cell in my body was holding so much grief, so much anger, so much rage. And as if in that one first session, I was wringing it out like a wet sponge, just wringing it out, wringing it out, getting out all of the grief and all of the anger and all of the rage and all of the fear that had come from Shay's traumatic birth, that had come from having Vesa Previa, this condition that almost killed him from not seeing him that first day, wringing it out, wringing it out. And I began to heal. I began to heal. Again, it takes a village. So first of all, I realized that I wasn't feeling very connected or close to him. I loved him, but I wasn't feeling close. She helped me realize that after the miscarriages and then the vasa previa where he almost could die and then the birth, that I was afraid to get close to him. I was afraid. And the way that this played out was I kept thinking he's not my baby. I kept saying to Josh, I feel like we're babysitting. There's like a baby here and we're babysitting, but he's not mine. And I now come to know that that too is common, right? But can you imagine, or maybe this happened to you where you're a new mom, you've waited five years to have this baby. Now you have them and you don't feel close and connected. You feel like you're a babysitter. I felt even more like a shitty mom. No wonder he didn't want to take my breast, right? It's like my brain was conceiving all these stories. But now I know how normal that was. She helped me realize I was afraid to get too close. Now I know it's so normal. Part of my brain didn't want to get too attached. On the first session, when I mentioned the pumping, she said, we're going to talk about you pumping. I think you have enough on your plate, mama. And I (laughs) laughed. And I started thinking about, why am I pumping? And so she and I really talked about why am I pumping so much? Now, of course, at the baseline, I'm pumping so much because I know breast milk is so good for him. That said, I also know formula is good for him. I also know that it's okay. But I realized that I had had like deep-seated beliefs about breastfeeding that had come from a class I took when I was a freshman in college that came from society, that came from what I hear about being a good mom. And then she helped me take it deeper. I realized I've been pumping and obsessed with pumping and not dropping the pumping because with Shay almost dying and him in the NICU and me in my regular room, pumping was the one thing I could control, right? I now know and with Shay's birth and so much that has happened, so many people say, welcome to motherhood, welcome to motherhood, not what you expect, you never can plan, you can't control it, right? All that is true, but pumping was the one thing I could control. I could put that pump on my breast and I could make milk for him. And then my therapist said to me, it's the one thing that made you feel like a mom. You could tell it really gets me. She's right. It was the one thing that made me feel like a mom because otherwise my baby was on a different floor of the hospital. I barely saw him. That made me feel like a mother. And she's helped me to identify all the ways that I am his mother. She's helped me to see that the pumping or the breastfeeding or the good napping or bad napping or any of that doesn't make a good mother. Now, of course, anyone could say this, that it's the love, it's the care, it's the compassion. Anyone could say that. But the truth is that working with her, I've come to realize that it is indeed my love for him that makes me a good mother. He and I have special bath time. Every night I give him the bath every single night. And we have songs. I put him into the bath and sometimes I get in with him and sometimes I don't. And we have a special song for bath. Rub-a-dub-dub in the tub. Rub-a-dub-a-dub for me. 
and he giggles and he giggles and I splash and sometimes he pees all over me and it's so much fun. We also have morning time. So early morning is my time to feed him and be with him when he wakes up. And so we have morning songs. One of my morning songs is good morning to you. Good morning to you. It's a bright, beautiful day for a sweet boy named Shay. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you, to you, to you. And of course, then I start to boop, boop, boop with the to you onto his nose. And thanks for humoring me and listening to my mom's songs. And every time I say, Shay, he just starts giggling, like almost like he's starting to know his name or he just loves how I say it. I sing to him, Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And every time I ask him, would you be my, could you be my, won't you be my neighbor? He giggles and giggles. Oh my God, it says, sisters, he is actually giggling now. It is so much fun. So he and I have all these special mommy and Shay things. I have a song I made up. How many kisses does mommy have for Shay? And he giggles and he laughs and I give him all the kisses and I count for him. This is what makes me a good mom. In fact, one of the things I'm realizing about being a mom is how babies, children, bring us back to our purest state, our purest state. He is so alert now. We go for walks every day and he is looking at every tree, every leaf, looking at the sun. It's like he's noticing patterns. I can see him in his room and the light is shining in and he can see the light pattern on the ceiling. And I am watching the world through his eyes. In fact, on my birthday, what I chose for my year, this year of life is wonder. I want to look at the world through Shay's eyes. I want to reignite, re-embody the wonder of everything being new. The delight in that. Can you imagine the delight that he sees in every single thing around him? He also brings me to my purest state around making up all these songs, dancing, laughing, playing for 30 minutes with one little lion, lovey stuffed animal. That's our purest state, sisters. And when I talk to so many women who have lost their joy, right? We have lost our joy, our happiness, our pleasure, our aliveness. It's because we've cut off that younger part of ourselves. Well, having a child, as hard as it can be, and as much as it sometimes can feel like it takes away our inner child, it also can ignite our inner child when we let ourselves play. It's been amazing. Being a mom has opened me up to receive support. Oh my goddess, when I went back to work, I knew we had to hire a nanny. At first, Josh and I tried to figure out, could you do half a day? I do half a day. But then when are we ever getting purpose girl work together done? We just weren't. So we decided to hire a nanny. And oh, did I cry. The night before she came, we found the most wonderful young woman. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But the night before she came, I said to Josh, forget it. She can't come. I can't do it. It was like some part of me didn't want the help or some part of me was afraid to get help and some part of me was afraid that he would like her more. He would love her more. But the first morning she showed up and immediately started talking to him. Oh, Shay, I'm so happy to be with you. And she took him into her arms and she took him into her arms and so tenderly held the back of his head with her hand, just like I would. My whole heart erupted. I could feel love expand, right? It's not that we have finite love, that he can only love one of us. I could feel love expand. This is what it is to have that village. So being a mom has helped me expand in love, expand in receiving support, expand in joy, expand in wonder, and expand in self-compassion. That's what being part of the moms group has helped me with. Krista Neff, who's the world's leading researcher in self-compassion, points that a major piece of self-compassion is validating the connectedness of whatever your shame or pain is, right? That it's human, that it's normal to feel whatever you feel, normal to feel angry, normal to feel sad, normal to feel afraid or guilty. And having this mom group, having this amazing therapist It's normalized the experience for me. It's a huge piece of self-compassion. 
It also has helped me already grow in self-love. Because at the beginning, I was focusing on all the things that we were doing wrong. And we have shifted since, hello, positive psychology, shifted into really focusing on all the things that we're doing right. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not perfect at that. Heck no, right? Like last night when he was up a hundred times in sleep regression and all of a sudden I'm up like, oh my God, we're doing sleep wrong. We're doing naps wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I say to Josh, we've got to make changes, blah, blah, blah. And then Josh reminds me, we're doing great. We're doing a great job. He's happy. He's thriving. And I can pause and then I can have more self-love. Wait a minute. You're a great mom. He's happy. His thighs are so chunky. His cheeks are so yummy, smushy. Like he's happy. He's thriving. He's eating well. It's good. Being a mom is helping me laugh at myself a little bit more. My control nature. My goddess, right? The pumping. Well, guess what? I found blood in Shay's stool last week. We went to the doctor. Guess what? He's got a milk protein allergy. I can no longer have milk. I can no longer have soy. And so the freezer stash that I have of breast milk, liquid gold that has milk in it, he might not be able to have. So the joke is on me. Like I had to laugh when I was in the doctor's office because otherwise I would have cried. But the letting go of the control, being able to laugh at myself, being able to be in flow, these are things already that he is teaching me. Loving another. As loving as I am, there's a big part of me that's very selfish and not in a bad way. I love me. I love doing the things I love to do. I love freedom. And I intend as much as I can to be a mom who shows him that. I want him to see me going on girls weekends. I want him to see me as that strong businesswoman, purpose girl, changing the world. I want him to see all of that. And I sometimes have been like that at the detriment of loving another and being there for another And he's teaching me. It's so not me to have a schedule. And I'm finding myself loving his bedtime schedule because I love him and I want him to have that sleep. It's helping me identify my strengths and get support on the things that are not my strengths. I have an amazing new mom friend, Lahair, and she is so good at researching everything. And she's like super detailed and really good at systems and processes and like being able to create and follow a process. And that's so not me. And so it's awesome. She can do all the research. And then I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? Right. And then I think what I bring to her, she finds all these activities to do, but I'm the one who's like, let's go do them. And so it's great. Expand our circle, right. In order to get the support, get the help, get the friendship. In fact, Being a mom is helping me have new friends and be more outgoing in my neighborhood because all my friends have teenagers, right? At 46, that's what it is to be a mom. All your friends have teenagers if they have kids and I need a new mom friends. So I brag, you know what I've done? Every time I see a woman walking with a baby, in fact, I did this the other day with a man. Every time I see people walking with a baby, I stop. I talk to them, we exchange, we connect, and then I get their phone number. So I'm going to be pulling together a new mom group. I stopped a man and his baby the other day and then I invited them over for coffee or wine. Like I am having so much fun. Yes, all these people are probably younger than me and Josh. Who cares? I'm making friends. I'm getting myself out there. I'm getting us out there. Being a mom is truly letting me be my best in ways I never would have even thought of. And through things that were difficult. It's not like because it's all fun and rub-a-dub-dub bath time. No, but because of the trauma, because of the stress, because of going down the rabbit hole of not feeling good enough and needing to use my own tools and advice to bring myself out. Tools of asking for help, of getting a village, of seeking a mentor, an expert, a coach. And so I am far, far, far from being perfect at this mom thing or anything. And I'm okay with that. I'm just so, so grateful that Shay chose me as his mama, chose us as his parents. I'm so grateful that Josh is along with me on the ride, even through my crazy downs and ups. I'm so grateful that he reminds me that we're doing great. I'm so grateful to my friends for reminding me that I'm doing great. I'm so grateful to all of you for wanting to see pictures of Shay and telling me how cute he is on Instagram and all that. And if you are not following me on Instagram, you want to because Shay is so cute and I post so many pictures. 
I'm so grateful to our family for sending us books and advice. My sister for helping me so much with all that she's learned. I'm grateful to my therapist for how she's helping my soul heal. I'm grateful to I'm grateful to my mom group for us supporting each other so much. I'm grateful to the social worker who led my mom's group for suggesting that I get a therapist and to all the people who suggested I get a therapist. And I'm grateful to myself. I'm grateful to myself that I am allowing myself to grow and to cry and to laugh and to scream and to be totally on the ride because that's what this life is all about. So with that, my loves, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. It's such a pleasure. If you have any mom ideas for me for episodes, let me know. You have any guests that you want me to bring on? Let me know. I'm totally down. You want me to do a mom's group? Let me know. Find me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind or Facebook, Karen Rockhind, and send me a note. Tell me you want me to bring moms together. It would be so great. The one thing I want to make sure you're doing, mama, is you're pausing. You're giving yourself gratitude for listening to the Purpose Girl podcast. You're giving yourself a lot of gratitude and self-love and celebration and brags for how awesome of a mom you are, all that you are doing. I hope you pause and if you need support, you get it. I hope we pause and we all start saying to each other, you got this, I'm with you. How can I help? We're in this together. We're a village. That's how we're going to change this world. One mama at a time, one woman at a time, one child at a time. And we can do it, Purpose Girls. That's what we were born for. And with that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.